Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Wildstorm Addiction, episode number 39 for October 2012. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. This month, we will be discussing the number zero issues, because this was number zero month, as well as Superman Annual number one. So that's Stormwatch number zero, Grifter number zero, Team 7 number zero, and Voodoo number zero. Um, We decided not to cover Ravagers number zero this month because it's basically just covering the origin of Beast Boy and Terra and had no Wildstorm character appearances in it. We do want to remind everybody that we do spoil these comics, but our podcast comes out about a month behind the issues, so it's your fault for not reading them. <laughs> but that might actually change here soon. <laughs> That's true. We are uh, considering moving up the podcast a couple weeks because there's not really any titles the third or fourth week of every month. So that second week of the month is pretty heavy and we'll consider uh, doing the podcast right after that week and be able to get it out a lot sooner to you guys. With that, I guess that's our first bit of news. Uh, Let's go into the Wildstorm news. First off, we all know that Jim Lee is off Justice League, so we're hoping and praying that a Wildcats title will be his next stop. But, you know, can't hold your breath on that. But it's also rumored that Lee may be doing a new Superman title, Ivan Reese is taking over Justice League in December, and then the announcement had this to say about Jim Lee. And for you Jim Lee fans out there, don't worry. We've got some major news coming soon. While that's all we can tease for now, New York Comic Con is only one month away. Which, of course, this con is a lot closer now since the statement was first released. And other than a few variant covers, Jim Lee is noticeably absent from the December solicitation. So... We'll see what comes out of NYCC. I'm I'm excited to see what what news will be coming out in the next couple of weeks whenever that hits. But uh, it would be pretty epic to have him on Wildcats. However, after that uh, 2006 title that uh, faltered at the gates, I'm not can't can't figure anything will really come out. Yeah. A real quick thing to interject about that is that when when somebody brought to my attention that it could be a Superman title, I can totally see DC doing like a Man of Steel title with him on it to promote the Superman movie for next year. So, you know, if you want to think like DC, you know, I can kind of see that. But yeah, obviously we want the Wildcats title. (laughs) Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine them putting him behind that. But hey, we're just dreaming here. Speaking of December, uh, Grifter number 15 has him facing the Suicide Squad, um, specifically Deadshot on the cover, and mentions ties to Team 7. Stormwatch 15 apparently has the team turning Midnighter um, because of the Shadow Lord's manipulations. Uh, Team 7 number 3 has Deathstroke turning against the team thanks to the first New 52 appearance of the villain Eclipso. And Ravagers number 7 has the return of Rose Wilson and Warblade. Also, Superboy and Ravagers guest star in Legion Lost number 15. And Demon Knights number 15 mentions a connection to Stormwatch. So, a lot of ties between the titles over the next couple months as we uh, head towards Christmas, which will be pretty cool. (laughs) Stormwatch volume 2 number, or volume 2 hardcover has been pushed back to May 2013. And Voodoo Volume 1, What Lies Beneath Trade, came out September 26th. So if you guys haven't gotten that yet, 
snag that up. It's uh, that's Ron Mars's issues. So before he got pulled off, so. Yeah, I just got that one in the mail. It's pretty cool. There's some really cool Sammy Bosri sketches in the back, and you can see the evolution of her and even the evolution of the Power Rangers. I mean, the, the Black Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and they did throw in his one unused cover from early on. I think it was number two. It's the one that shows him and or Fallon and Voodoo like, facing off. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you remember that cover. Yeah, that's cool. Big news. Uh, our podcast is now officially part of the Image Addiction Network. So Chris Parton and Michael Smith from Image Addiction are the reasons we have a podcast you know, when we originally started. But unfortunately, we all split after the comic, comic addiction site went down. But now it's good to be back amongst our original podcast family. So that's awesome. Yeah, hey, hopefully it'll get us some more exposure too. <laughs> <laughs> So, but uh, we got a lot to cover tonight, so we'll go ahead and get into it here. Now, the first one we decided to cover was not one of the zero issues. It's actually something we mentioned in the last podcast, but it was so Wildstorm heavy <laughs> yeah. that I was just like, we can't just not talk about this. So, <laughs> so uh, what I'm referring to is Superman Annual Number 1, which was released at the end of August on the 29th. Uh, it is written by Scott Lobdell and Fabian Niciesa, I think is how you say his name, with with art by a lot of people. Uh, we got Pascal Alexi, Marco Rudy, Tom Rainey, Elizabeth Torque, and Miko Suyan uh, with an awesome and amazing cover by uh, Kenneth Rockefeller, who comes from Red Hood and the Outlaws, and he's actually going to be taking over the Superman book, starting with Superman Zero, which I flip through but didn't pick up but um so basically the superman annual uh you know we talked about how it was supposed to be this big crossover you know that dealt heavily with the daemonites but um it's kind of interesting to see what was ultimately published because what we get here is um we get a first glimpse um you know three uh what is it three thousand six hundred years ago uh on the Daemonite homeworld. And what we get here, I don't know about you, Ben, but I'm going to kind of skim over a lot of this cause, <laughs> since we have so much to cover. Oh, that's okay. Five but, titles uh, this week yeah. or this month. Yeah. And we are taking some of your feedback too. I did, we did have some of the, the guys tell us that uh, maybe do less of the summary and more of the discussion. So maybe we should give that a try tonight. But, um, but, uh, but basically, we get the origin of not only Daemonites, but it appears Hellspawn. And the Daemonites here um, seem to have started with a more humanoid uh, appearance. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they just look like humans. The only difference is, is that uh, they establish that you know they, they have certain characteristics like growths on their skin or, or horns, or you know there are some guards here that look a little bit closer to what we think of as daemonites but but apparently it's all the crossbreeding between them and their conquered races that um has caused um I'm just going to call him Hellspawn cuz I don't remember what his original name was <laughs> but uh causes him concern that the daemonite race is basically poisoning itself by allowing this to continue so um Definitely an interesting take on the the Daemonites and their origins here in the the DCU. Because um, as far as we knew in the original, they were always the the creatures that we saw. And 
that might actually explain why we keep seeing so many variations, uh, even in modern day. So, um, but then we we fast forward to uh, to modern day and uh, haven't been keeping up with the Superman title, but apparently um, Superman is allowing uh, Jimmy Olsen to room with him, and so they got kind of a funny, you know, the odd couple thing going on because Jimmy's the messy one and Clark's not, and and so he's you know Clark's just musing about. Uh, about this and that, and then in the middle of all this, um, when he's headed down to the Daily Planet for the day, uh, all of a sudden a uh, Damonite spaceship shows up in the sky, and and he realizes that it's uh, that it's Hellspont again, and um, so the, obviously this is uh, continuing on from their first meeting back in Superman seven and eight, and um, because we get different artists on the book. You know, we get different interpretations of all the characters, and that includes Hellspot. We get what I consider here, I call him the Nazi Hellspot. (laughs) 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 Because he's got the, you know, the long trench coat look going on now, you know, gone is the cape, and... And uh, there's some weird thing going on where, I mean, I couldn't tell if he's got, like, the skulls of conquered you know, beans around his waist or what. I mean, That's what it, what it looks like. <laughs> so, you know, and the Daemonites that are in the ship with him are similar to the ones that we saw 3,600 years prior. Um, they have a Daemonite-ish look. In fact, it's more akin to the original Daemonites, but they're know, great. They look, they look more like predators to me. Oh, predators. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can see that. But... um but yeah, again, I guess that's just because of the different artists, and and apparently, you know, as you know, if, if we're listening to all, everything that Rob Liefeld said, that there was a lot of confusion in putting this together, and a lot of disagreements, and so you know, Superman does his uh, classic thing and changes into his suit, and you know, flies out into space to to confront Hellspot, and then we get what. Um, we have to give a little shout out to our friends at Comic Vine, who they dubbed as one of the funniest panels that they've seen in a while, <laughs> which is where Hellspot grabs Superman's cape <laughs> and just yanks him <laughs> to one side out in the middle of space. So I thought that was hilarious. What did you think about that? Yeah, it was uh, go- goofy to say the most. <laughs> I, I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, then, you know, to add insult to injury, then he basically backhands Superman into the moon. <laughs> so. I thought Midnighter punching a cat was better. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, because they, they wrote Hellspont pretty, pretty well in the original meeting. You know, they were pretty evenly matched. But here he just seems to be smacking around Kal-El like he's nothing. So. <laughs> I'm sure all the Superman fans were happy about that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, Superman's trying to um trying to gather himself as he's, you know, makes a crater on the moon where he just landed and and then uh then he realizes that um Hellspawn hit him harder than he thought and he passes out again. <laughs> so then we um we start a series of um segues to other characters and uh, the first one we go to is we show that um, Martian Manhunter uh, after the events of Storm March number 12 is uh, looking up information and he is confronted 
by a uh, a new Daemonite character. Her name is Salu, I think is how you say it. S-A-L-U. And apparently she's one of Hellspawn's heralds, which, you know, kind of got the, the Galactus vibe going on there, you know, where all of a sudden he's sending people ahead of him. And she kind of looks like um, uh, Fire Lord, especially with the um, the flaming head and the, the energy pike that she has. But she tries to... Um, if I remember right, she's trying to recruit him. I think. I think it's. Just, I think we're still staying with that theme that Hellspawn's trying to get certain people to come to his side, and um, so of course they fight, and you know he's he's not going to have any part of it, and she actually uh, beats him pretty well, and um, and tells him that uh, you know it's either either you do this or you're, you know we're going to do it. We're going to continue on without you basically so so kind of interesting setup there um like i said it's the it's the start of a series of those as, as we jump back into space and we get a nice little grifter cameo as um as a he you know meets superman for the first time and you know they superman knows grifter apparently from the from the news and things like that so so this is a direct continuation from a from Grifter number twelve, because we see both Grifter and Deathblow here, and in the middle of this, they get attacked by a another. Um, I don't know. This is a Daemonite, just one of their one of their creatures. His name is Biomass, and I thought he was a he was a more regular DC character, but I couldn't find any information on him. So, but Superman basically just um, takes him out pretty quick and toss literally tosses him back to Earth. <laughs> It's a lot of peep tossing people into space and through planets in this one, so <laughs> pretty epic. And um, the next stop is uh, Starfire in her sexy bikini. And uh, <laughs> I, I stopped following the title, so I don't know uh, where this fits in the whole Red, Red Hood and the Outlaws uh, series. But we get yet another Herald. Uh, this is Quam. And uh, these are basically all, you know, repeating the same theme, you know, they're coming asking this, and of course they refuse, and they tell them it's inevitable, and then they, they all decide to disappear at the end. And uh, the funny thing about her is that she's like, you know, what's going on? I've never even heard of a Daemonite. <laughs> so it's funny that uh, basically the reason these characters are being picked is because they were either, you know, part of Lobdell's titles that he was writing or Liefeld's, and of course she's she's one of them, so... It kind of felt a little forced that she was there, but um, you know, Superman finishes dealing with biomass, and he finally comes uh, to contact with Hellspot. And Hellspot, you know, to me, really pulls some uh, some interesting moves here to mess with Superman. Like apparently, in the middle of their battle, he orders a lot of his uh, Daemonite sleeper agents to be killed on Earth, and forces Superman to to realize it without being able to do anything. So, so uh, this hell spot, I guess, I don't know if you could say you learned from last time that you're not going to beat down Superman, so you got to mess with him other ways. And um, then we jump to yet another uh, segue, and this one was one that none of us were expecting, but it was a pleasant surprise. Um, we have Hawkman being assaulted by an old uh, Daemonite um favorite of mine which is lord defile and uh and his you know this is his first appearance for the 
the new 52 and his design is pretty much exactly the way it was uh in world's end so i was really surprised about that but uh you know same same thing happens with hawkman and then he's gone and then we we go back to superman and hellspot and they're continuing to fight and uh the interesting thing that hellspot finally does to mess with with Kal-El is that he basically tells them that the Daemonites have been here forever and that they're the you know the gist of it is that they're so ingrained in our society that there's no way that Superman's going to be able to stop them and with that he leaves Superman you know in out in space to ponder that and the fact that he can't win so it was definitely an interesting setup and a lot of uh, just a lot of ideas that I don't even know if they're going to go anywhere now you know since since uh they didn't decide to do their crossover after all but all in all it was really cool to to see you know more wildstorm stuff so i it was a pleasant surprise for me i enjoyed it but what did you think ben <laughs> well, honestly um i kind of thought it was a mess but <laughs> all the wildstorm stuff was great but it just seemed so random and haphazard and uh lord defile being uh introduced though was epic i love that character i'm so excited and i hope that he has a bigger role than just uh one of hellspawn's uh lackeys more or less um because yeah that character is badass and yeah he does look exactly the same so i'm pretty excited about that but yeah the whole you know getting smacked to the moon and then grifter just picking him up and then grifter and deathblow totally being okay with the vacuum of space being thrust upon them. And I don't know. It was all, all the artists and everything. Yeah. It just seemed like, uh, everything kind of fell apart and they had no choice, but to throw something together and try to make sense of it at the end. <laughs> I don't know. It was, a uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a mess. Yeah. But, uh, it's funny. It, it does add credence to everything that Liefeld said though. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but we'll talk about his mess a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get past the cover. <laughs> you just grab and you open it and then you're past it. <laughs> yeah. So next up we have Stormwatch number zero, which was released on September 5th, uh, written by Peter Milligan with art by Will Conrad and cover by Tyler Kirkman. Kirkham. So Will Conrad is taking over this book um on art which you know i i know that some people you know on the boards thought it looked a lot cleaner and it does look a lot cleaner but i think the tone is still very similar um whether that's the same anchors or same colorists i don't know but i didn't really have any issue with that any any thoughts on that joe well i i just think his is a cleaner uh version of like what miguel sepulveda was doing um, it just seemed that Miguel's work, and it could have been the inker, I don't know, but if it's the same inkers, it just seemed like it was always so dark. And like with Will Conrad, I think he he nails like the characters' faces a lot more. Like to me, this this looks more like Jenny, you know, because Jenny is supposed to be Asian, and that's very ev- evident here, you know. And so yeah, I just I just think he's he's just doing a better job overall. So this issue starts um, and basically uh, is self-contained in the eye of the storm. And the engineer 
and Apollo and Midnighter and even Jack Hawksmore are all checking out this alien that they had, this alien creature that they had picked up um, after passing a Red Dwarf planet. And the alien is kind of like a, I don't know, I want to say like a 60s feature creature kind of alien. It has big bug eyes and, and very arachnoid but it also has these weird humanistic eyes above it. So it's kind of creepy anyways. Um, and that's what they're kind of doing and they're taking care of that. And they're wondering where Jenny is and they're kind of annoyed that she's not here to take care of this creature. Jenny is in her room and she is making up a game, some crazy algebraic game. And all of a sudden, Adam 1 just comes up and appears to her. And she's all excited because he was her mentor and the Shadow Lords killed him. Or took him away from Stormwatch and killed him, supposedly. Took him out of this plane. Um, or this existence as we know it. Um, and Adam 1 shows up and says, Hey, Jenny, I have to, I have to tell you some things about Stormwatch's past. Um, because there's going to be hard times ahead. So I need you to pay attention and learn, which I'm, I don't know. It's kind of confusing that Adam one would just show up out of the blue, that the shadow Lords would allow him to cross planes again and, and come back to this existence without, you know, any repercussions or anything. Like I know that Manhunter did a deal with them, but that's, that's different. This, I'm, I'm not quite sure that this may be him. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> a lot of people think it might be um, Harry Tanner messing with her. So, here we start jumping through the centuries, um, and we kind of get glimpses of each gener- each Jenny throughout, throughout each century. Um, we don't hit them all, but we hit the ones that he wants us to show. Now, there's something particular about this issue, and I don't know if Peter Milligan was truly going after this, but if you really pay attention to the dialogue and the way that he sets up these scenes, there's one particular movie that comes to mind and I'll, I'll hold off for now and, and we'll see if Joe can figure it out as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> if there's been a movie that featured, you know, cybernetic dolphins attacking, you know, you need to, you know, let me go check that out. <laughs> no, no, no. It has nothing. It has nothing to do with the content, but just the way that the story is actually told and unfolding. Anyways, okay. So, so Adam one's kind of talking through these centuries, and we go um, pretty far back, and where we we meet Princess Janine. Um, I actually have to check my notes because. Uh, so this is uh, what is this? Eleventh century or tenth century? Um, yeah, because it's, yeah, it's 1013 AD, it says. Yeah. So this is actually Merlin, who is also Adam 1. And uh, he was part of the Demon Knights, or he, you know, trained the Demon Knights and helped them, you know, to become an organization that will later become known as Stormwatch. Um, and he kind of taught this Jenny, and, and she joined with the demon knights at that time um so much so that they actually she grew up uh princess janine grew up and (laughs) led an attack by these dolphins that are 
cybernetic and they have these robots attached to them and they come out of the oceans and, and start attacking the land dwellers which who thinks of something like that first of all <laughs> the, fin, the fin assassins they're called but, I don't know, but I'd have to ask Peter Milligan, you know, is there any any other substances involved when you have this vision? <laughs> those are by far my best, like, those are my favorite two pages that I've read in a long time, just because it was the most absurd thing that I've ever seen. It, it was just so well portrayed. Um, and then there's a really cool picture of the Demon Knights uh, with Princess Janine, and you can see uh, Shining Knight and uh, the Demon himself, and it's really cool to see that her leading this. So this is this scene down at the bottom of this page here, um, while they're killing these uh, dolphins. Um, you see Jenny looking at the kind of like the portal that Adam One is showing her of these snippets of time, and we actually go back into her room and they're talking amongst each other. Uh, before her skipping to another century. And these little interludes, how he's kind of talking her through this, is really what makes me feel like this this title read a lot like the Princess Bride movie, um, where where the uh, grandfather is talking to you know, Fred Savage and, and talking him through the story. That's kind of what this felt like to me with Adam One talking through all these stories with Jenny. And... It even gets to the point, um, the next century, I'll go through a couple more centuries. So the 12th century, we run across Countess Janine, um, and she she almost seems like a Joan of Arc almost, but she, she was kind of, I don't know, she kind of couldn't handle her power and, and was just murdering people and and even tried to murder Merlin himself, so... Um, the Shadow Lords took her because she was kind of corrupt and, and couldn't control her power at all. Uh, and then we move up to uh, the 13th century, basically 1340. Um, and the next century baby was uh, Sister J. And uh, she, she's a nun. And uh, she meets up with Merlin as, again. and um, And they actually kiss <laughs> and i don't know if they go further than this they probably do and it's funny because like they cut off the story at that point and jenny's like kind of grossed out by them kissing and merlin's and uh, adam one's like hey it happens and that's why this made me feel like this was the princess bride because the same kind of thing happens throughout that movie and that story so um Hmm. This is like Princess Bride Month because the guys at, the, at Only the Valiant they 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 worked that into their podcast too. So, hi, I'm just saying it, it really made me feel like feel like that as I read through this. That's interesting. Um, at that point, um, I, I think it's still in that same century uh, with Sister J. They actually found um, they started seeing these red storms appearing in that century, and that was actually the first. Uh, recorded history of the Damonites um, contacting the earth. And there's a, a big uh, fight scene where you see Sister J and, and the rest of um, the Demonites fighting the Damonites back. And that is where they decide to um, always look out for these red storms. And, and they decide to change their name from the Demonites to Stormwatch at that point. 
And uh, so um, if we cut back over to Jenny and she's freaking out um, because she's, she sees Apollo and Midnight are fighting each other and everybody's uh, fighting each other. And that's what Adam One's talking about. You know, eventually they're going to turn on each other and, and she has to be the one to to save everybody. But he's like, before before you do anything, I just have two more quick Jennies to show you. And he goes back and he, um, the 1800s here, and, and he shows her Jenny Steam. Or, sorry, that's what she was called uh, in Wildstorm. Uh, Jenny Freedom. And uh, she fights with the light, uh, light and steam. And... And then he shows her Jenny Sparks, who was his her predecessor, basically, and you know, and she fought with electricity. Yeah, it was yet another big surprise this month. <laughs> got Lord Defile, got Jenny Sparks. <laughs> They're just playing with everything from the Wellstorm toy chest this month. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. And, and then uh, Adam One decides to show her all the all the the, the new you know super beings and and. She, He's like, do you know all these people? And and she's like, yeah. Um, you mean Batman and Superman and Green Lantern? Yeah, they're called superheroes. Duh. She probably has posters of them up on her, on the wall in her room or whatever. And uh, he's like, well, these are the people that you know Stormwatch is is gonna have to save Earth from and and watch watch out for these people. And then Adam leaves her at that point. And she goes to the to where they're uh, watching the alien, and uh, she was a little freaked out at first because she couldn't find anybody. But then they, she goes into the room, and and they're like, uh, "Jenny, where you been? We've been trying to get a hold of you." And she's like, "Oh, nothing. I was just watching a movie. You know, you know, you really get into this movie, and you really like all the people, and then everybody dies. <laughs> so." That's how this issue ends. To me, it was the Princess Bride. I don't know what it was to you, but uh, <laughs> it, it was cool that we got to see all the all the iterations of the Jennies and and this really, you know, somebody posted up a really cool uh, timeline of the DCU, the new DCU Fifty Two, as they've rewritten a ton of stuff. And this this issue and the Demon Knights issue is really filling out a lot of the past uh, history of the DCU. So it's cool that Stormwatch and Demon Knights now are, you know, truly one and of the same. They are the same team. It's just two different time periods. So it's really, really neat to see that connection. And I wonder where they'll start to take the Demon Knights from here now that there's there's such a strong connection. Hopefully uh, we'll see some more cool stuff out of Demon Knights because of that. Yeah, it was it was good that they finally answered that question because I know for the f- first year we were like, okay, you know, they teasing, okay, it's Adam One, and uh, well, what else, you know, and they weren't really weren't tying too many other threads. So um, I didn't uh, read the Demonite Zero issue, did you? I did, but it was yeah. all it was all about Etrigan. And, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and that's why I didn't pick it up because that's what I had heard that it was pretty much just about him, which is fine, I guess, because he's going to be coming in. In you know Stormwatch here soon, but um, but yeah, to me, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of, of what we're reviewing, but th- this is the the best zero issue for me that we read. You know, I just it was so well done. Um, 
it revealed so much, <laughs> not just about Stormwatch, but the DCU and or the New Fifty Two in general. You know, they really have made Stormwatch the like the hidden dimension of of the New Fifty Two, and that's why you know it worries me that this title may be in trouble. You know, behind some of the other ones as far as sales, because I mean, this is really filling in a lot of history, and um, maybe that's why they're bringing the demon over in to get people more interested. But I mean, it's it's their fault. They took away Martian Manhunter, you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I love. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't make the connection with the Princess Bride, but I, I can see what you're talking about. But I will tell you that I loved that setup, you know. And yeah, it's it's kind of confusing that that it's Adam one telling the story but you don't really know if it's him or not and yeah the the history of the Jennies was awesome and you know I, I love that they went ahead and just made Jenny Sparks you know the the previous Jenny so you know you get to fill in well how did she you know live in the new 52 you know because we know what happened in the in the Wallswim universe when she died on New Year's Eve 2000 you know right. so just lots of potential for more stories and that's why I'm just hoping that this title picks up <laughs> go buy it people <laughs> so anyway speaking of titles that I wish would pick up <laughs> uh, put it I, I, I'm trying to put it down I'm like ah <laughs> um, the next one we have is uh Grifter number zero, which was released on uh, September twelfth, uh, it's the last issue that's officially written by Rob Liefeld and Frank Terry, uh, with art by Scott Clark and the uh, amazing cover that uh, Ben was referring to earlier by Rob Liefeld. <laughs> if you have to read this issue, get a reader copy where they tear off the front cover, <laughs> Not like the one from the local grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Well, even comic shops will still do that. If they have oh. enough of them hanging out, they'll make reader copies and they have to tear off the front cover. Anyways, oh, it's so bad. <laughs> well, maybe by this point here he knew he was leaving, so he's like, whatever. you know. Just gonna... <laughs> we'll see. Because okay. he's, he's still listed as the plotter for the next few issues, which is funny how that changed uh, after his decision to leave. But we'll see if they uh, commission somebody to do new covers. Um, now, in all fairness, I mean, the issue wasn't that bad. Um, it was an interesting choice, the way they did this, because basically, um, you want to talk about, uh, you know, movies that came to mind with this one, it was, um, I, I know I talked about it in my review, I want to, because I have all of Christopher Nolan's movies going in my mind right now, because I've been, you know watching Dark Knight and all that. Yeah, I think Inception. you said Memento, didn't you? Yes, thank you. I was going to say, it's not Inception, it's Memento. <laughs> because, um, well, let's just get into the issue and you'll see. Hopefully you guys out there have seen Memento because it's an amazing movie and you'll understand this better. But, um, you know, basically start off with uh, Grifter in his proper Team 7 colored uniform. <laughs> Which we'll get to that when we get to the Team Seven issue, but <laughs> somebody needs to to talk to the colorist on that other title. But but here, uh, Andrew Dollhouse, who's 
you know, he's he came over from Wildstorm, he gets it right. So I love how this uh, armor is like a little homage to Grifter's original look with the green and the and the red. So yeah. So him and uh, him and John Lynch and his his brother um, here. This is happening two years ago. Uh, they're just running through the rooftops. Apparently, they're in the middle of a mission and. Grifter, you know, is leading the mission, and he gets the sense that something's wrong, but he just continues on the mission anyway. And you know, they we get some uh, pretty cool action from Scott Clark, which I, you know, I expect nothing less from him anymore. You know, he's he's always been good at drawing action, and so you know, they come in literally guns blazing, and you know, Grifter throws out some some uh, grenades and they they make it into this uh, secret vault and they're supposed to steal something or they're here and then uh, when they reach their objective he finds himself uh, pointing a gun at uh, his brother Max's head and and even he feels like he's not in control of his body he's wondering what's going on and and then uh, before he can think twice all of a sudden he's shooting at Lynch <laughs> and um in the middle of all this, he gets a vision of a of a new character uh, that uh, Liefeld mentioned was going to be Grifter's mentor. It's an old man named War Warwick or Warwick. <laughs> if you can say that, <laughs> I thought it was Warwick when I first saw the the uh, solicits, but it's Warwick. And uh, so, as soon as he sees Warwick, uh, we pan over and see that uh, Grifter is in a, like, a, a Daemonite um, holding tank, and that all this is a simulation in his mind. And apparently, there's humans that are here that are doing this to him, but you find out later that they are actually just Daemonite agents. And the reason they are doing this, uh, is, as we've already found out, is because there's different Daemonite factions. And this particular faction wants to use uh, Grifter against Hellspawn. Because, uh, let's just review this one more time, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I'm not basically, following you at all, sorry. <clears throat> I was going to say, basically, we have the Daemonites who believe the prophecy, and they're the ones following Hellspawn. We have the Daemonites who do not believe the prophecy, and they're the ones who are against Hellspawn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is the group that's against, and they're using Grifter as their... Uh, I don't know if you call him a scapegoat, but <laughs> basically instead of going up against Hellspawn, they're like, let's send this guy. <laughs> he apparently seems to do well against Hellspawn. <laughs> but uh, before they can do anything else... Uh, the new character Warwick shows that uh, that uh, he's no slouch either when it comes to fighting, and he's able to break into this uh, Daemonite facility and rescue Grifter. And he um, shows that obviously he recognizes him. And and I love that they give this character some personality. He's supposed to be kind of like the crazy old man. You know, he kind of looks like a bum off the street. He even he doesn't even have any shoes. He has some socks with holes in them. You know, and here he is taking out guards. And <laughs> so I kind of enjoyed that they had that little quirkiness to him. You know, better than than uh, since they were going to go with the whole master teacher thing. You know, which 
which is kind of a tried and true storyline. I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad they made the the teacher a little bit interesting. And so him and um, Grifter escape, and um, in the middle of this, uh, this is where it got a little confusing. It appears that they both fall into the back of a garbage truck or garbage bin. And that's where Grifter has his naked fight scene with one of the guards. <laughs> so There's that money shot. Thank goodness it's dark. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was kind of confusing. I, I didn't understand because of war. It came in later and helped. And then, you know, Grifter after words he kind of passes out so i got a little lost there and i i don't i don't really understand that but basically the gist of it is they get away and uh, <laughs> you know he he sets up grifter in some hotel and you know basically is the gist of it is is that this has happened several times and that every time you know grifter wakes up and this is the part that really reminded me of memento you know he wakes up and there's a note from warwick and, and you know grifter remembers this much you know about you know you're always waking up in a strange strange room with a note from somebody you know with the letter w on the note doesn't tell him who it is and then he's he has to basically go out and and figure it all out so so um it took him a while apparently because he grew these big mutton chops (laughs) within a day that was a rough night (laughs) You know that that's just a reused panel from uh, one of the early issues, right? <laughs> Probably. Uh, oh, no, it is. It's the oh, one where he it? was gonna where he was gonna go grift the lady, uh, and then all of a sudden the Damonites, you know, attack him in the middle yeah, of the street. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's up with the lazy panel in the page before too, with the door opening? It's like, uh, yeah, we don't really need to draw this door here. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Like it really doesn't look like Scott Clark's at all. There's like the same acre, nothing. You know that's right. It's really wow. Weird. So, do you, do you really want me to tell you what I thought about this? Well, sure, go ahead. Because no. I mean, I, I didn't bash. I didn't bash it as much. I mean, it, it wasn't horrible. It's was just no. It it wasn't horrible, but it was intriguing. I, I mean. Maybe maybe there's some things that I'm not understanding, apparently. And tell me if I'm wrong. But we are not meant to believe anything that happened in Nathan Edmondson's run. Yes or no? Uh, why not? <laughs> because this is totally different than than anything that Nathan had set up. He's wearing his mask before he ever should have ever even gotten it that was something that happened in team seven as well well i i hope justin jordan addresses that in team seven but i actually like that because when he put on the mask in grifter number one it seemed a little forced i mean i liked it but i always kind of was like okay why did he do that so if he was doing it as a okay kind of i'm returning to you know what i was i can accept that better now, obviously, Team 7, as we see later, didn't explain why he had the mask. Apparently, it was already part of his M.O. when when they recruit him. So there's still... I mean, because the, the explanation for the mask in the original universe was always still kind of, eh, kind of iffy, you know. It was, you remember the explanation in the original universe? Nah, I couldn't remember that. 
It, see, I mean, it's one of those things I'd have to go back and reread it, but it, it had to do with the uh, the him and Backlash trying to save this one guy in the middle of a mission, and he he was holding on. I think he was to a flag, a red flag or something, and they were in a chopper, and and it it tore away, and the dude ended up dying. So Grifter kept the piece of the mask, uh, the piece of the the red flag, and he, that's when he fashioned the mask in into his traditional mask, and that was why he hated Backlash, and so. Yeah, that that was kind of the the loose thing of why he had the mask in the original. So they obviously have left it to where they can explain. Hopefully, I give a better explanation now, because the whole thing with why the Daemonites, you know, recognize the mask is because they, you know, think humans all look alike. But that's Grifter didn't do that because of that fact. It was kind of after they told him that he's like, okay, fine, you know, then <laughs> this is the face you're going to come to fear. So right. So. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. A couple other things. And I don't know, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. Do you think he used the name Warwick, and am I misremembering this, but isn't that the guy that used to head up, or at least fund, the Wetworks? Uh, you're asking the wrong person. I'm not a Wetworks expert. <laughs> I right. barely read that one. <laughs> maybe you listeners can remember that, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that was the case. And he was an old man, and he, or an older man, and he... He funded them. Maybe maybe I'm getting the name wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was something like that. So I thought that was interesting, and I don't know if that was done on purpose, if that was the same name being used. Mm, not um, sure. And lastly, Scott Clark's art is awesome, and Rob Liefeld sucks. There, I said it. <laughs> Get past the cover, and you go, oh. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to keep it simple, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Sorry, I think I th- I'm pretty sure I ran across something over the last couple of weeks where he was ripping on Scott Clark's art, and I'm like, seriously, do you have any reason to be ripping on Scott Clark's art when you have the worst cover in the DCU 52? <laughs> I thought they were buddies. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Until and. And I'm not even getting into the whole Deathstroke issue, if you want to go down that road. Wow. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that when we talk about the other appearances, but yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we can can move on. We can move on. So, (laughs) and you're going to have to help me out with this next one, because I didn't get a chance to reread it, because yes, everybody, I was chasing cows right before. And he means real ones, people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Joe, gonna be late. I'm chasing cows. He's like, cows? Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, I'm from Texas, so that wasn't as weird, you know. <laughs> sorry. They get out every now and again, and yeah. Anyways, apparently. Uh, <laughs> next up, Team Seven, number zero, released on September 12th, written by Justin Jordan, with art by Jesus Marino, and cover by Ken Lashley. Hey, uh, hey, Ben. Yeah. Team Seven's in the DCU. What? <laughs> that's, that's, blow- that's blowing my mind. <laughs> so, I, I mean, we saw a, an early glimpse of this way back, well, last year, basically, whenever the new 52 was about to to start, because they had the whole Flashpoint, um, the big, the big Flashpoint event that happened and we actually saw glimpses of grifter showing up and then an actual couple panels of team seven show up in a few of the books so 
I guess it's not a huge stretch, but you know, now that they're doing the the waves, so to speak, you know, maybe this was one of those ideas that they were like, well, gotta go throw something in there. So we've seen throughout a couple of the other titles over the last year uh, hints towards Team Seven. So. Here it is. It's in front of us. Unfortunately, I don't even remember anything of it, except here's John Lynch on the very first page. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Long time no see, John. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't even make sense to me. I'm kind of confused that some of these characters are even in the 52. It's crazy. Um, so here's John Lynch, and he's basically uh, heading up uh, a new task force to, you know, watch over the the new metagene, I guess, and, and all the superheroes that are starting to pop up throughout the the world. Um, Team Seven, this title itself is supposedly set five years in the past, um, from what we know of as the fifty two, the current fifty two that we're reading. Is that accurate? Joe, sorry, <laughs> I'm looking up your uh, your wet works question here, and oh. <laughs> so <laughs> and not having any any uh, <laughs> no luck. luck here, no luck. But um, darn, what was your question? <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Oh no, I was just saying that this title is actually set five years in the past. Yes. Yes, it from, is. From what we're currently reading in the current titles of the 52. I know that's really confusing because this is now a 52 title. <laughs> no, don't get people started on the whole five years thing. We've already lost We've already lost a Robin because of that. <laughs> I know. Like I said, some nice people put together a timeline, and the timeline doesn't make any sense because there's a lot of garbage that's going on. But anyways, so... Lynch is putting together a task force, um, and there's a lot of people that he goes through. So the first one is Dinah Drake. She's infiltration. I'm gonna miss some people. I know it. This is why you read people and you take notes. <laughs> it's basically Black Canary and her husband, and her soon-to-be husband. That's why she's not a lance yet. <laughs> All right, good deal. Then we go over to who are we up to next? Oh, we have Fairchild. Did I miss somebody? Yeah, Alex Fairchild. Yes. So <laughs> maybe maybe we'll see that reunion with Caitlin and and him very soon. Yeah. Don't forget what the mobster talks about here that they go after. Yeah. What are they, dude? Seriously, you're gonna have to do this. For <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know. They're beating up some some chump. <laughs> Okay, and by the way, uh, I was utilizing our Wildstorm Resource Wiki, and we don't have any reference to any old man. Oh, come on. Work, so. <laughs> Full of crap. I'm pulling out my issues. <laughs> so basically, um, yeah, uh, Black Canary and her future husband uh, are going to take out this uh, arms dealer, and the arms dealer, uh, as they get ready to strike against him, is on the phone and he's talking to somebody and he makes a comment. He's like, "Well, if you're unsure about the gen factor, just watch the news. Believe me, you'll know it works." And so that was pretty cool for all Wildstorm fans because you know the gen factor was a was a big Wildstorm concept. I mean, it gave 
the powers to the original Team Seven members, and it's it's the way that um, that the Gen Thirteen kids had their powers. Now, obviously, you know that's not going to be the same case here because you know the Team Seven's origin is different, and they've already shown that Grunge and Fairchild, Caitlin Fairchild. Uh, have nothing to do with that, so <laughs> it'd be interesting to see if that's just because Justin Jordan, you know, is obviously a Wildstorm fan. He said so. For him to throw stuff like that in there, it could just be little homages and may not ever go anywhere. But we'll see. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they they just take him. You know, they they're gonna take him out, and then they realize that uh, uh, they've got Alex Fairchild and Deathstroke are already have already infiltrated the gang. And so in the middle of all this, they convince him to help uh, take him out, which is what they end up doing. And then they extend the invitation to join Team 7 from, you know, John Lynch, which apparently, if I remember right, they are already familiar with him. So there's a couple of members that, you know, we know, I mean, we know who Alex Fairchild is from the old Wilson universe, and obviously everybody else knows who Deathstroke is. Um, but then we get to one of the ones who's one of the new characters that, be, you know, before I get into them, is it just me or do you, do you feel like these new characters are going to be cannon fodder? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them, aren't there? <laughs> you know, because I don't recognize that any of them are future DCU characters. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah, and they seem to be the ones that uh, need assistance, I guess, uh, like technologically. Like, they're the ones that you'll see later in the huge armor and whatnot. So, I don't know. I don't anticipate them living very long, but we'll see. Because the first up is James Bronson. And in uh, classic Mission Impossible style, we open up with him, you know, traversing the icy glacier. (laughs) And, uh, you know, of course, he almost falls, and uh, and it just so happens that right where he almost fell, Black Canary was there waiting for him, and why she didn't help him, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's a test, right? It's like, uh, if he falls, then he's not worth joining the team. So. <laughs> I froze my ass off for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, she basically extends the invitation, and then we go on to the next possible cannon fodder. <laughs> who's, who's, who's also the minority too, which you know makes me sad because she's one of my people and she's probably going to die. I mean, she almost dies in this first issue with her crazy antics. <laughs> but her name is Summer Ramos, and she's going to be the pilot. And she's in the middle of some testing where it looks like they blow up her ship, and somehow she survives. Did you and... count all those missiles, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Uh... Well, she explains that the whatever the airframe was designed to fragment and destroy a swarm of drones, while blah blah blah, and and this is why I'm alive. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then we get to our man Grifter, who uh, this uh, you know it's funny for as much as we complained about the the way that uh, they're writing Grifter over in his own title uh, for him to open up here in a bar that he's just been in a bar raw. You know, this is more like like classic Grifter, and I can accept this one now more. <laughs> I, can, I can really accept this one. This one doesn't bug me at all. <laughs> I can't figure out what's on his shirt, though. That was just, you know... It's a truck with, like, a tomato on it. I know. <laughs> Why is it a truck with a tomato on it? <laughs> a tomato or a peach? I don't know. I need to ask Justin Jordan that. 
big fan of Richard Scarry or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, this is more classic Grifter, and you know, obviously they offer him the same deal, and, and in exchange for not going to jail for beating up all those people, and then you know, next up we get uh, Amanda Waller, you know, the much slimmer uh, New Fifty Two Amanda Waller. <laughs> Which, uh, I'm surprised at how many people complain about that. You know the deal about that, right? Yeah, I heard <laughs> a lot about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she's taking out a, a terrorist who's going to destroy a blimp at a at a baseball game. And, um, and so that's her thing, her introduction. And then the last one we get is a guy named Dean Higgins, and he's badass, and that's... Uh, they really introduce about him, <laughs> and um, you won't last long. No. Yeah. Then we go to the Team Seven spaceship. Yes. <laughs> Does that look like a Cobra Commander uh, ship or something like that? I know, right? <laughs> well, you know, in Wildstorm International Operations, it was kind of like GI Joe, maybe a little more evil, maybe maybe a little bit of mixture of both. <laughs> Did you see that awesome seven logo on the side? Yes, because <laughs> we were a covert action team. Oh wait, that's the Wildcats. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, they just wrap it up by you know they meet on the Team Seven spaceship and they're talking about you know that they gotta get together and go against the bad superheroes that are showing up around the world. <laughs> and uh, we get one panel of Grifter done right in his armor but then you know the last page the colors decided that grifter's armor shifts from green to red so <laughs> but you know we get a, a cool you know team shot at the end and uh, apparently their uh first mission is to go into gamora which means that gamora exists in the dcu now <laughs> that is awesome so. Not only does Team 7 exist now, but so does Gamora. And we hope that that means that Kaizen Gamora will show up eventually. Kaizen and Cybernary. I oh, love yeah. Cybernary. Cybernary <laughs> is so badass. Yeah. I was just re-listening the podcast that I did with uh, Image Addiction when we did the retro review for Death Blow, and that was the original uh, appearance of Cybernary. And still very enjoyable, even all, all these years now. But yeah, cool character. Loved it. Would love to see her. But um, this uh, this was a very um, how do I say by the numbers um, <laughs> zero issue, which is fine. You know, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It introduced all the characters. It got the concept. I mean, because it's a lot of characters that he had to introduce. I mean, honestly, if he would have taken out all the cannon fodder, you know, we could have had some more time. <laughs> With the other characters, and I know we're saying that now, but you know he could have some big plans for those characters. We don't know, you know, because every character's got to have a beginning somewhere, right? So, um, I enjoyed it. I, I love, I love this uh, idea that how how it's still relevant to the New Fifty Two's past, the same way that the original Team Seven was relevant to Wildstorm's past, and um, and that it does have the characters branch out, and that you're following you know, existing characters in the future books, and then you're going to be following them here. So, 
I enjoyed it. I think I'd appreciate this issue more after we read issue one because there will be no more introductions and everybody gets to be badass. So <laughs> I hope that's the case. So what are your thoughts on this title in the long run? Like, yes, I know that they're five years in the past, but do you really think that DC has a, you know, a thought on keeping this around in the long run, knowing that they're doing things in waves? <laughs> I mean, I think that they that they uh they're just trying different things in general with the new fifty two. You know, obviously they keep shuffling, you know, every few months and we get a new wave, you know. Uh so we're gonna I hope to get at least a year's worth of stories out of this. <laughs> um whether or not people give it a chance, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. This this issue got a lot of good reviews. Uh, just across the net, I, I saw really good reviews for it, so I was really happy for that. So if Justin Jordan can keep that going and keep it interesting, and I think the key is probably going to be whatever stories he tells about the about the future characters, you know, the ones that we know survive. I think that's really what's going to draw people or draw or you know keep them away. You know, I don't know. Um, it seems like I, I'm not. I don't remember exactly what issue two had going on. But this one that you mentioned in the news that number three has Deathstroke supposedly turning against the team, you know, stuff like that that kind of shows, okay, why did Deathstroke go the way he was? I mean, I know we see a lot of that in the Deathstroke Zero issue, but, you know, there's lots of questions. And, you know, obviously they have the mysteries in Birds of Prey with supposedly Black Canary killed her husband and he's not really dead. And so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he can, like, backward work backwards, you know, and show how that happened. So it's up to him. It's it's really up to him and the choices he makes that I think people will, will follow the title. And as long as it sells, DC will keep it in the past or heck, maybe eventually they'll just be like, well, let's just make a new team for the present. So, yeah. That, and that's what I wonder because, you know, as soon as you start dealing with history, people get really touchy and there are a lot of big name characters in this title and they can use that to their advantage and tell a lot of their history or it can just, piss a lot of people off so that's that's what i worry about and i'm really i don't want that to be the case because i love the team seven from the Wildstorm past and i'm excited to see what they do with this one so who knows thanks for the bailout on the uh review there joe appreciate it <laughs> you're welcome do you ben... still want me to do voodoo or do you want to do it <laughs> no 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 keep going you're, you're on a roll tonight <laughs> I'm not feeling well, and you are saving my butt. So, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ben didn't do his homework this month. <laughs> That's cool. We forgive you. We're chasing cows. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Uh, so the last one here is Voodoo Number Zero, uh, released on September 26th, written by Josh Williamson with art and cover by. Sammy Bosri. <laughs> what? Not going to mess that one up this time. <laughs> and as we all know, unfortunately, this is the last issue. And I'm going to start a little something different here before we go to the issue. We have to give props to Sammy Bosri. He did 13 consecutive issues, no late issues, <laughs> no filler artists, you know, and he is nowhere listed in the solicits for December. <laughs> What is wrong with you, DC? You got to keep this guy. <laughs> we got to find him on Twitter or something. Cause I've tried. Where do you live, Sammy? Come on. 
Come in, out of the uh, woodwork. In Brazil, remember? <laughs> that might be part of the problem. Maybe he's doing jiu-jitsu or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's doing one issue of Supergirl like in November, I think. And then and then he's he's not listed for December, so... Right. Marvel's going to steal him, guys. <laughs> anyway. So, I just have to start off by saying this was a very safe zero issue. You know, the the, the Team 7 one I consider very standard, but standard but necessary. Like, you know, the, the, the Team 7 issue had the luxury of no issues before it. <laughs> so, they literally were starting at zero. Well, this Voodoo. is, a, this is huh? a recap book. What this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I I can see that because I I I to me it was just confirming stuff that we already knew. So yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Which it, is it funny. Was, oh, huh? sorry. Well, it was weird to me. It read like a recap, so it was like catching people up if they hadn't read Voodoo. And I'm like, well, it's not continuing, so. I guess if you're picking this up, you're like, oh, I saw that this chick's going to be in Grifter in the solicits. Not that people are buying Grifter. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe I should pick this up and figure out what this is all about. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say the funny thing is... <laughs> a, a, a little segue here. I just finished watching uh, an anime that I loved called uh, Showbits. And they did this thing that you're talking about recaps. There's 26 episodes... Uh, episode 10, episode 20 are both recap episodes. Episode 26 is a recap episode of the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? You know? <laughs> so it's just funny that you've mentioned that that's what this one felt like. Now, this one really was a zero issue, though. I mean, because it showed exactly what happened. You know, uh, you know basically it starts off with Priscilla, uh, you know, waking up in in the Daemonite holding tank. And the, oh, those Daemonites love those holding tanks, don't they? They just put everybody in them. <laughs> How about the two Daemonites just hanging out? You know, <laughs> playing poker or something? <laughs> no, they're working on somebody, remember? He said uh, that uh, such a foul stench these humans release when we cut Oh, them. yeah, you're right. It looks <laughs> like they're just hanging out, though. Oh, so he was playing poker, get it? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But uh, this is what they're going to do when they take over Earth. You know, they're going to put everybody in these things. And like, okay, what do we do now? I don't know. <laughs> Make sure nobody escapes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, basically it's just her. You know, she's, she wakes up and realizes, you know, that she's been abducted by aliens, basically. And she's remembering how she was um, abducted in the park. So we have to assume that this is Central Park in New York, you know, cause, or else you're going to get abducted. So... <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, they experimented on her. She remembers all this. And, you know, so she uh, she's trying to escape. She tries to get through their ship. We get a uh, nice little cameo on the screen by Grifter and Hellspont. And I'm not sure who the other guy is supposed to be. It's a, a soldier of some sort. It's Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It does kind of look like him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to be led to believe that he's a Daemonite. No. Hey, we know the Daemonites did take over Dan Quayle in the original Wildcats miniseries. So That's true. <laughs> they could be trying that that old ploy again. <laughs> we're not going for the vice president this time. We're going to go for the candidates. And um, and then she runs into these Daemonites, which, by the way, 
these daemonites, the whole, do they have like multiple eyes going through there? Yeah, it looks like it. I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, because I don't remember that, because that's, that's kind of a distinct thing, but anyway. <laughs> like we said, we, Hellspawn already explained to us in Superman Annual Number 1 that it's the Daemonite's fault for all the crossbreeding. So, <laughs> but, um, so as Voodoo's trying to escape, she comes across a group of other humans who are apparently other experiments, and she wants to help, but she knows she can't, so she decides to try to get away, but it's too late. The Daemonites catch up with her. And in her freaking out, she starts to, what did we say? Oh, Dragonite out. She Dragonite <laughs> out, yeah. <laughs> and this is the, the first time she ever did it, you know, because she had no idea that she could do this. And so, you know, she, she gets her Daemonite claws and sprouts her wings, and she sees the first open window and decides to crash through it and realizes that she's up in the air. <laughs> So it's a good thing that her wings sprouted. Because <laughs> if not, this would be a very short zero issue. <laughs> and the Daemonites uh, don their cool uh, flight suits or flight jetpacks and uh, go after her. And they have an interesting... I'm not sure it's a, it's a battle, but it's more like a struggle, you know, <laughs> yeah. in midair. Flailing. <clears throat> and um, so, so they... Um, you know, they they finally recapture her, and then the Power Rangers show up. Yay! <laughs> and they're not in a rocket ship this time. They're just in a regular plane, so that's kind of disappointing. But, <laughs> but uh, they save her from the Daemonites, and um, and they she thinks that she's safe, but of course she's not. And, um, you know, they, they, uh, they tase her. <laughs> Don't tase me, bro! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear on this one panel up in the corner where he's saying, nice job, razor secure, connect to Link and go. I swear that one razor looks like he's about to grab her boob. Yeah, it totally looks like that. <laughs> and I, I want to say that that, no, wait, is that, which razor is that? Oh, it is Evans. Okay, so it totally goes with this character. <laughs> because <laughs> Nice. Yeah, he's the, <laughs> that's the reason he got killed. <laughs> What's up with them having a weird gurney out in the middle of like the desert too? <laughs> Their plane airdropped it, dude. It's all, oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, we get a one last look at Evans and and um, Fallon, who of course are dead in the regular series, and um, so so they do that. So the Daemonites, meanwhile, decide that well, we're not going to bother trying to rescue her, so we'll just make another one. And I love how uh, the Voodoo's little incubation tube is all purple. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they basically say that she's, uh, you know, she's going to be their their new agent. And uh, <laughs> I love this when when the the human daemon or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, we're going to get started. So we have the most perfect cover lined up for you. What do you know about dancing? <laughs> 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 so that was that was kind of funny. And uh, then we finally get to see Sammy Basri do a full rendition of Grifter, because we've seen him tease in the past. And uh, so he's fighting another one of the multi-eyed Daemonites. <laughs> and, um, and he runs out of bullets. But before he can go all chosen one-y, one-y on, on, <laughs> you know, that's when uh, Voodoo shows up 
and takes out the Daemonite, you know, because you knew that that was going to happen, right? You know, that... Yeah, she put phasers on stun. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that this is voodoo. This is not Priscilla. That was the one thing I had to stop and really think. And if I'm right and it's voodoo, then that means that Williamson left us with one last cool cliffhanger before he ended the series because, you know, like I said, the, the issue was just kind of blah, you know, it was just kind of, we already knew all this. Right. And, um, but for him to do that at the end, it really raises the question, okay, so that means that the girl that we see on the cover of Grifter for next month is in Voodoo. <laughs> and apparently Priscilla is going to go look for Grifter too. So basically both clones are going to go over to the Grifter titles, what it seems like. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Can that end quickly? <laughs> yeah, that's that's my thing. I just, uh, you know, like we talked about that before, that I kind of wish that would have ended already. And it, it, it's going to have to end eventually because it's just too, you know, just make up an excuse to why Priscilla, you know, decides to call herself Voodoo and then she's just Voodoo. You know, because right now she's Priscilla. And Voodoo, you know, if they make a Wildcat title, they're not going to let this one on. <laughs> and it's not its not confusing. It's not confusing because we know these characters so well. It's just annoying. And it's annoying to me because I know that anybody else re- reading this would find it confusing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the main thing is that, you know, you want to take the, the new re- readers into consideration. I mean, you really want them to like these characters, but, you know, not not when you're doing stuff like this. Because clone stories, like I talked about in my review, they're always messy, you know. And the key is not to let them go on too long. And this one's gone on too long. Yes. So. Hey, has she ever worn that outfit, that outfit before with the headgear and all that? Um, I don't know about the headgear, but that's pretty much the that's pretty much her spy outfit, is what I call it. I think it's an amalgamation of that and the Damon Art armor that she used to have. Obviously, she's not going to wear the Damon Art armor anymore because you know, I guess. That showed uh, she's on her own side now, basically, is what it is. As if the Daemonites needed any more sides. <laughs> right. The Daemonites are such a splintered organization now, or or splintered race now. <laughs> they just can't get it together. It's no wonder they can't conquer a planet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Voodoo's done. At least she still exists in Grifter. And whether or not Grifter survives the next wave, we'll find out at New York Comic Con. <laughs> so. Oh. Voodoo was a fun title while we had it. Mm-hmm. Un- unexpected as far as uh, getting uh, Wildstorm titles into DCU 52. Who who would have thought it? Yeah, and I mean, she's a cool character, and, and it was an interesting way to, to introduce her. I mean, if they would have let Ron Mars keep going, I don't know if it would have been any better for people to stay on, because that's the thing, is that, you know, he did his, after he left, you know, Williamson did his clone thing, and it got people kind of perked their ears a little bit, I guess you could say, but it seemed like after that, people just didn't stay on, you know. But uh, she's always worked better in a team. Some characters just work better as part of a team, and yep. she's one of those. It, it was cool to have a miniseries with her or something every now and then just to explore her a little bit, you know, kind of like her original miniseries. Yes. But it's hard for her to keep anything other than that. It's it's hard for Grifter, too, in my opinion, you know. Yeah. Grifter went through two solo series in the original Wildstorm universe, and I mean, they were fun, but I don't remember anything significant about them. <laughs> Not too much at all, actually. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to some other Wildstorm sightings and tie-ins in the 
last month, basically. So September 12th, we had Deathstroke number zero. So if you want to see some really terrible art and some copying of previous art from years and years ago, read that title. <laughs> and it also makes Team 7 number zero more, com- or makes it confusing. Yeah. Contradicts. <laughs> yeah, so there was a Grifter appearance there as well. And... Yeah, there's a whole Team 7 shot there that just doesn't make any sense at all. Wow. Anyways, moving on past that garbage. Uh, September 12th, we had Superboy number 0, and Fairchild was all over that as they went through um, explaining Superboy's kind of birth, I guess, at the Nowhere facility. Now, that was a recap issue, but with some interesting new information. (laughs) That Superboy could be... The, what is it, like, I guess the descendant of the clone that uh, led the revolt on Krypton? That's why. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, they had that article that you sent me that said that they thought they were retconning it, his origin, but I don't, I don't see how that retcons it. It just adds to it. You yeah. Know. Anyway. He's a bad man. <laughs> also on September 12th, we had Suicide Squad number zero, which had many, many Team 7 mentions, um, because basically Amanda Waller was all over that issue. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, on September 26th, we had Hawkman number zero um, with a mention of a Daemonite war on Thangar, right? Yeah, I mean, they, I just kind of flipped through it, and then uh, Titan throw up there at uh, Clark's Bar kind of gave a good synopsis of it, you know. But it, it's all off-panel, like he said. There, I mean, there was really nothing that they showed, so... I didn't pick it up. Neither did I. <laughs> and then um, coming up here in October, um, on the 3rd, we have uh, Stormwatch number 13, which, of course, you know, these issues take us back to the present. And, uh, you know, so we get to see what's going to happen with Stormwatch without Masher and Manhunter. We also get on the 10th, uh, Grifter number 13, which, uh, you know, is the first issue without Liefeld, even though his name's still on it. <laughs> and, um, uh, we get Ravagers number five. We get Deathstroke number thirteen, which, when Liefeld was on it, was supposed to have Zealot. So we'll see if that's still true. And then we have Team Seven number one. So uh, after that, on October twenty fourth, we have Hawkman number thirteen, which number twelve ended on a cliffhanger where Pike was involved. So hopefully, we'll get to see more of him in the middle of all that. Uh, I I don't know if uh, one thing about the Hawkman Zero is that it did feed into 13. Did you realize that, or did you flip through that? No, I didn't flip through the Zero issue at all. Yeah, I don't I don't know how it reads, but I know that the end of the Zero issue is is him on the ground at the mercy of that uh, Hawk Woman or whatever. So it feeds right back into into the regular storyline. So it's interesting that they did it that way. And then also on the 24th, we have I, I vampire number 13, which we assume still has Stormwatch Cause again, it ended on cliffhanger. So after that big revelation, if Stormwatch is just like, okay, we're out of here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, we really. have no idea if they're going to be in there. Yeah. So, and remember that all these books are available digitally, either through DC comics website or comicsology.com. They have date every Wednesday. Also, um, Demon Knights number 13 comes out on the 10th as well. So the second week of the month is really heavy, which is why we'll probably start moving up the podcast to the end of that week, because that's when basically all of the books are out. So 
At least the ones that we cover in full. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, some quick shout-outs. Uh, be sure to check out Chris Stryker's Stormwatch site, which is stormwatch.ws. And remember to visit the Higher Authority Message Board's Clark's Bar to continue the Wildstorm integration discussion. So, all of us are over there. I actually have been over there quite a bit lately, which is kind of rare for me, because I'm usually out chasing cows. <laughs> you forgot to mention that uh, discussions get a little heated over there sometimes yeah they do they really don't like Rob Liefeld if you think I don't like Rob Liefeld they really don't like Rob Liefeld yeah but I forgot who it was somebody was defending him and that's when it got really heated like okay <laughs> and also be sure to check out our friends of the show Image Addiction Podcast they are friends trust me we hang out with them and now we're part of their family Family. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, they cover all the new releases from Image Comics. And the only The Valiant podcast is they cover the newly relaunched Valiant Comics, which current titles include Exo Man of War, Harbinger, uh, Bloodshot, Archer and Armstrong, and coming in November, Shadow Man. Woohoo! <laughs> you, can, you can contact Joe. He's twitter.com slash grifter78. I'm yoyomaster146 on the Wildstorm resource wiki or on the message boards. Uh, you can email us both at wildstormaddiction at gmail.com and send us any questions or why do you guys stink so bad? No, just kidding. <laughs> it's all the cow pies that we step in. Um, yeah. Or you can check us out on Facebook, we have a fan page and a Google Plus page. And remember that we are also on Stitcher, so if you guys have fancy smartphones, check us out, stream us, or just download us. It's all good <laughs> at Stitcher.com. So, crazy month, zero issues. That was the big event for 2012. Good times. Yeah, and overall pretty well received from what I understood. So, <laughs> And uh, just a couple of quick... Uh, quick uh wildstorm swag i guess you could say out there <laughs> i finally got my grifter bust in the mail and it is beautiful so <laughs> yeah i'm totally jealous <laughs> so if y'all have not gotten one go out and find it and um also check our website because we have posts for a couple of the hero clicks figures that are come out in the batman set uh we have warblade up there and grifter and so that's coming out in November. So definitely look forward to that. And we'll, as as they post more previews, we'll post them up there uh, with the nice, pretty pictures. Those look awesome. How do you think we can go about best getting those? Since they're not part of the normal set, right? Aren't they uh, uh, like Chase characters? Uh, Warblade is. I don't know. I think Grifter might be a regular one. Uh, I'm not sure. I uh, might have to hit up eBay <laughs> after yeah, the fact. That's, so. that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> So here are my thoughts on your awesome grifter bust. I think you need to go on a European vacation and take him with you and take funny pictures of him in epic locations. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. like the uh, Travelocity gnome, it will be the grifter bust. Yeah, well, it only goes to his waist, so everything will have to be you know, from waist shot up. Otherwise, yeah. it looks funny. So. <laughs> and he is holding a gun, so I don't know if I can get him past customs. <laughs> so <laughs> He's holding two guns, actually. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's cool, man. That's awesome <laughs> that you got that. All right, everybody. Have a great month. We will see you, hopefully, halfway through October. Take it easy.